evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tonight we got a, uh, you know, got the doctors on. And uh, my ex didn't really come on tonight. And they were, they were much obliged to come on. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk to them and get some knowledge, get some history, get some understanding. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Dr. Short is here down there. He has his shades on for everybody that's watching. You know, how's everything, uh, gentlemen? Everything's fine with me. What about you, Brandy? <laughs> uh, well, Dr. Short, Dr. Short you got your holster on. Okay. What do you carry, a 45? Or, is that a 45 or a snub nose? Well, you know, we don't talk about those things. That's like boasting about penis size. You just find out. Find out cool. Well, if we if we gonna deal, if we gonna deal if we gonna deal with with a white penis man, you must just have a Dillinger. Get a you mean a Derringer? Yeah, a Derringer. Get a forty-five. Get a forty-five, man. Okay. You know, you know I, I I um. We need to start the show off. I have something I want to show you, uh, Doctor Winners. Um, and I just want your reaction. It's just a picture. It's just a nice picture. Um, and I, I ain't even going to read the article. We know today was a special day for the Chicagoans. And, you know, it was a blessed day. So I'll show you a nice picture here. I just want you to tell me what you think. Any thoughts, Dr. Winners? I think it's uh, pathetic. I think it's pathetic. People acting like this man is doing something that's that's really that's really happy. He wouldn't even go and arrest, wouldn't go and arrest the uh, woman who got a uh, Emmett Till murdered. And yet he has the nerve enough to sign a proclamation. You know, it, it's pathetic. Look, look at the sites he said. He he's made he's made he's made national sites, the place where they found uh, the bloated the bloated, disfigured, mutilated body of Emmett Till. That's one of the sites. That's supposed to be a national monument. The next site is the courthouse where, where injustice was made. What the hell is that? That is the stupidest mess I've ever seen. That is the stupidest mess I've ever seen. Who gives a damn about a place where you found a brother who was, who was beaten severely, you know, and then and then you're going to make the courthouse where, where, where we lost our right to see that all fits in with with uh, with uh, Jim Crow Joe. Because see, Jim Crow Joe, that's what he thinks about. He all he thinks about is we got to get them Negroes in line. We got to get them in line, you know. Yes, sir. But I'm not a mulatto. I'm not. I'm that Negro in the in the alley. That Negro in the tree who will fuck you up if you mess with me. Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick. You find a mother like that bull Biden. We gotta. Just do what we can. What we can know. This is a miserable picture. It's a hateful picture. I can't stand it. I see Whip Clyburn is there doing what he does. Yes, sirs. Nothing. <laughs> what do you think about uh, the picture, Dr. Short? Um, I'm not really paying attention to it, but let me say this. So you can understand, this is all a problem um, 
as you know, I'm interested in genealogy, and many years ago, I uh, was trying to reach out to one of my favorite teachers from Divinity School, who at one point was uh, president of the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta, okay? Mm-hmm. And that Negro's boule, right? Uh, is Dr. Robert Michael Franklin, who's currently, I think, the Chandler professor at Emory University. I was trying to reach out to him about an issue. And uh, when I called, he was no longer president of ITC. I says, well, who is the new president? And he said, well, the new president is Dr. Michael Battle. And uh, I says, well, great. Tell him his cousin wants to speak to him. And so, and she says, you're sure? I says, I'm certain. Uh, Tell him that his cousin wants to speak to him. So Dr. Battle gets on the phone and I began to say, well, sir, I was trying to reach Dr. Robert Michael Franklin, but um, I'll talk to you because you're my cousin. This is what the hell you mean you're my cousin since your last name is Battle, right? Your family's from Mississippi, right? I said, and this is, well, I've got a lot of relatives. I started dropping names. And I says, well, let me tell you something about our family. We have a tradition over the last 100, 150 years of naming twin girls, Martha and Mary, for the two women that were sisters to Lazarus and the New Testament. My great-grandmother was named Martha Battle. He choked and said, uh, my great-grandmother was Mary Battle. <laughs> they were sisters, although they didn't know me. And I says, well, do you know, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he runs the Spingarn Mormon Library at Howard. Dr. Battle, that's at Howard. And he said, well, yeah, I know him. He's my first cousin. I says, well, he's my second cousin. So it was established we were related. After that, he was stopped being hostile. He proceeded to say, well, since you and I are related, did you know that you were related to Dr. Robert Michael Franklin? And I told him, no, sir. He says, well, the Franklins and the Wrights, like in Moe's Wrights, the uncle of Emmett Till. And then he went on to say, did you know Emmett Till was your cousin? I said, you know, I remember watching Eyes on the Prize Part 1, the first issue, excuse me, and the name of the cousin that told them to show off, his last name was Battle. And I always wondered, were those cousins of mine? And he said, yep, and Emmett Till was taken from the Battle household. The Battle family supposedly owned the house. This is what I was told. Later, when I started doing my book, Slavery's Mastery, to get it published, there's a woman that has a publishing company called Gumbo for the Soul. 
she had published a book for Dr. Robert Michael Franklin. And she began to repeat the story. Brother, did you know that you're related to Emmett Till? Did you know that your cousin was Martin Luther King's one of his key supporters in Mississippi? Did you know that your family had 80 acres of land and the white people threatened to kill the whole family and they all ran up to Chicago and Minnesota? Since I know about my cousins, the Purvises and all in Minnesota, but I didn't know they'd been run off their land. I said, do you know the white folks who stole their land have gotten hundreds of millions of dollars since the 50s? All of that to say, I would like to see the the Cathars, the Tills, the Wrights, the Battles, the Franklins get reparations for what they've been through down in Money, Mississippi, and the other Delta, Delta County places, than people to put up statues, not that I'm against statues. But I can assure you, having been down in Mississippi, when I was down there, they had just shot tried to blow away the signs commemorating Emmett Till down in Mississippi. They attack the stuff all the time. Um, I'm not against monuments. I'm not saying don't put up monuments, but I'll tell you the greatest thing that they could do is give us some motherfucking money for what we've been through. Some MFM. I can't be laid up with the statue, but I could put a cold dollar in my drawers. I could put it in woman's drawers. I mean, you can do a lot of things with money that you can't do with the statue that you can't take home, you know, and, and you can't even make it into a sex doll. You can like roll dollars up and hump on it. You can do stuff with money. And more importantly, you can buy someone to sleep with if you have money. You can get your own house. You can build a condo community with freaks in it. You have a different person that if we were paid. So for me, for Biden and them to do all this stuff with HR 4321, the black genocide bill, where they want to make certain that none of us ever get anything until the end of time, and you want to put up a statue to a young man that was dead. You you want to put up, and there's still people who've been murdered all over the place. They still haven't brought justice to them. And I mean, there are people walking around who murdered black people who've never been punished. The young woman who survived the Birmingham bus, I'm sorry, the Birmingham church bombing. She's in Birmingham right now in her 70s, severely disabled. She was blinded from the shards of glass, the stained glass windows that blew up. And that racist ass governor, Ivy, the woman that looks like, um, she looks like Barney Rubble from the Flintstones, has refused to give her any compensation. They are victims of the terror of white, uh, white terrorism that have never gotten anything. So putting up a monument to someone that's been long dead uh, doesn't mean much to me, although I'm going to say, okay, if that makes people feel good, in fact, this is the thing about black people. We're so damn childish and emotional. Someone really feels good about the statue and they're caught in their feelings and they can't deal with the substance of it. They just get into the style of it. Emmett Till, 
He would have loved to know they had a statue for him. Emmett Till got schools. They, the thing is, is that he was murdered. He was castrated. And they killed other people and terrorized folks. And they've never solved these. They have murders all over the place that have never been solved. The people who did it are walking around. Uh, Joe Biden's senior son, Joe Biden Jr., who I really think swung both ways, um, have covered up for the disappearances of black people in Delaware for years, although his son died in 2015. So black people disappear in Delaware. Emmett Till shit happens every day in Delaware right now, where Biden's president, where Biden was senator in Delaware. The police kill folks in Delaware all the time. Do you know you'll never hear about police slangs in Delaware ever? Pennsylvania, Mississippi, you hear about police slangs in France, but never Delaware. Joe Biden is the biggest Klansman that we've ever had. And um, the same way a whole lot of sisters have fantasies of being the new Sally Hemings. Um, I guess they want an old, chewed up, albinized white dude who has a big bankroll. And they think that that's cool. Maybe they can outlive him and get be a cougar. But Biden is a devil. And by the way, this week, he got this uh, tether woman named Shawanza Goff to be one of his highest ranking advisors, a black woman, 38 years old. They don't give you any information on her parents, which leads me to think that she's a tether. And so either she's adopted because they don't even have an accurate birth date for her on Wikipedia. <laughs> and so, I mean, on one hand, he blows off and uses the, the, the Congressional Black Circus and others to make it seem as if he's humane. And this is the same person that's putting sanctions on my friends in Uganda. And, it's, and the same person is threatening sanctions against Ghana because these people don't want a bunch of pedophiles and sex tourists in their countries. So Uganda, Ghana, and if Kenya passes, they're going to be against the Kenyans too. I mean, this is a very wicked man. A lot of those weapons that are being sent to Ukraine, they're not being used to kill Russians. Those are being filtered into Africa to foment what they want is a regional war that goes from Senegal to Sudan. They've already started the war in Sudan. It's going to spill over to Chad. It already is there. And eventually it will hit the Central African Republic, and then it will hit Niger, and then it will hit um, Burkina Faso, and then it will hit Mali, and then it will hit Guinea, and then it will hit Senegal and Gambia, and you'll have wars, and that will be the justification for more people to go into Africa and kill. This has been set up by... Obama, through this guy, uh, and, and um, Gilligan's Island looking, um, Susan Rice, who's his national security advisor. She does look like Gilligan. She's still around? Um, She's not yes. in though. She looks like oh. Gilligan. She, she, <laughs> I didn't know she, looked, she was still around. She looks like Gilligan tried to be a black trans woman. Okay? She does. It's, it's true. And, and, and I have it on high count. I can have you talk... Susan Rice has allegedly slept with all the African dictators and so forth. I'm telling you, 
Um, she probably has more miles than Air Force One. And she's the one that's giving advice to Biden on how to hurt African people. And so, so all over, and, and she's also cool. You look, they're about to invade Haiti and kill people down there. And so everywhere around the world, black people are feeling pain from Biden's ass and Negroes are masturbating off of an Emmett Till statue. You know, that would be like if they put, they, they do, they have statues and monument to the Jews that they killed in Germany. But you know what? Jews get reparations along with the statues and the buildings. MFM, they, huh? get, they, they get motherfucking money or what I would say is matzo ball fucking money. They get paid. Uh, what's that other thing? Bar mitzvah fucking money. Bat mitzvah fucking money. I mean, they're getting it. Midrash and Talmud fucking money. They get paid. And that's the thing I'm going to just say to people over and over again. Of all the people, I don't care what you say about Jews, small hats, whatever. One thing I, I have to say I admire about Jews is they always find a way to get something out of whatever situation that they're in. They're going to get something. They're, gonna, they're not walking away with nothing. We spend more time in association with Jews than any other group of people identified as white in America. And after 150 years, haven't learned one fucking thing from dealing with them. That's downright retarded. That's autism on steroids. Well, Dr. Jewish Short, people, they give us freak, they give us freak, freaky stuff, and you know. But they don't make it for them. But they don't make it for themselves. Mm. They don't. When Bernie Madoff stole from Jews. Jewish people turned out and threatened the judges. His ass will be convicted. They threw the whole library. Jews turned out to make certain he stole from Jews. You must be destroyed. When black folk rip off black people like P. Diddy, who's basically turned out, he's turned out more people than the whole cast of the movie Glory. And yet we worship uh, shitty, be, sh be shitty. Instead of rejecting him, Jewish people, you can't do that. You you have to run, you have to run and hide. They they you can be corrupt, but once you get caught and they know to save face, they scuttle your ass. We need to learn how to punish people who mess over us instead of obsessing off the fact that somebody got a few dollars. It's not enough to have a few dollars. Either you're for our full liberation, our reparations. Uh, you must learn. And so, yeah, uh, we should we should give ourselves some order and some discipline. They got intelligence. They spy on people. They pool money. Um, I heard this maybe because I'm older than you. We should be like the Jews. Damn it. We're not trying to be like them. We're trying to get people to like us. And to me, this isn't about congeniality. This is about survival. When there's a fire, you don't try to say, you know, you look like a really nice person. What's your card? Your ass is trying to get to the fire exit. You're not trying to be friends to people. Not that you're hateful. You just don't want to burn up. That's what I have to say about this. I'm sorry. I went long. Uh, I think that what you said is very important. But I think it's also is that, as you've always made clear, we do need a Mau Mau movement. 
But more than that is that most people don't understand that there's psychology behind everything that the white man gives you. It's psychology behind everything. When they gave us June, when they when they made June 10th a holiday, and they said, "Oh, these these black people, they didn't know, they didn't know in a sense that that they were free. They knew they were free, but they knew they couldn't be free until some black soldiers got there with the uh, Union Army to protect them. You see, and so then there's a psychology behind everything that white the white man promotes. The white man promotes among us an idea that we can't be successful. It it promotes among us the fact that we're losers. You know." See when when they're talking about look at the look at what they look look at what they're talking about. Now they're going to make the church, you know, a, 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 a national monument. Fine, but then when they're talking about they want to they want to make the place where where he was where he was murdered. What the hell is that shit? Who 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 celebrates who celebrates where they find a corpse? Who Masochistic Negroes that want white folks to let them toss their salad. That's right. That's 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 what we got. And I want to stop one second and say this is let's talk to our hostess brother Q. Uh, this is Dr. Winters. And of course, this is me. Everybody, please, as I say, liked it, liked it, liked it, liked it. This program, you know, the girls, I liked it, did. you know, <laughs> liked it, liked it, liked it. Like they like they like they like you know like their tongue has been you know working on a giraffe or something, like to this show, yeah. and share it. This man now has five hundred and four subscribers. Not too long ago there was just four. Thanks to you, he's picked up five hundred viewers. We would like to have him at a thousand. When you have a thousand, it's a more powerful platform. It is more rewarding for him to put time in. And uh, on top of that, I just want to say to all of you, uh, this illustrious man, Dr. Clyde Winters, who was the inspiration of uh, Ivan Van Sertiman, many other people that you know better than him, just because it's sort of like a lot of people don't know about uh, uh, Big, Big Daddy Crudup and all these other people. But they know Elvis Presley. Well, that's what happened. Dr. Clyde Winters is like all the black bluesmen and performers that Elvis Presley copied, but never got the same accolades or support. And he's got the 40 plus or more books that he's written to prove it. So uh, absolutely look him up. He has so many books on Amazon. You can't buy them all but you should try just to have it. You want a library, you want to fight CRT, you want your kids or whatever. It's a good investment if you want to have a worldwide from ancient history, I guess, ancient history, historical view of black people on a global basis. Dr. Clyde Winters has it. Linguistics, history, geography, uh, anthropology, he, he weaves it all in together. And that's why he's on here and he's a native of Chicago. And <laughs> of course, there's me. And by the way, you always see we have cash up in there. If I just showed you uh, why, why we'd be trying to be cash up. And these are some of my latest acquisitions. Uh, and I've just decided I've been promising. I think I'm going to do it in August. It's, in fact, I just got this one today. I wanted this because this is sort of Talks about how the Bushes and other people work for the Nazis. 
when we have these conversations and people think we're just talking out of our ass, it's, it's simply not so. Uh, this is on a Desire Knot of Mobile. This is like a $100 LSU press book. I got it. Someone blessed me with the donation, so I bought it. This is like worth $150. Um, <laughs> I got to do something on racism and religion with this uh, Uncle Clan or the Lone State Lone Star uh, Clan, Lone Star Nazi. This is Jed Gahoover, a little faggot that was uh, helping kill all the black leaders. This shows how the FBI was going to churches with white people to get white folks to hate black people. Um, uh, and this is another one talks about fake Christianity. I'm a Christian, but not a fake one. Uh, this is a book I got yesterday talking about black folks standing up in DC that also exposes fake ass bougies. What we do, we thinking folks is that we hoard books and knowledge and then share it with other people. Uh, this is a really good book about this black dude who's, they want to gas in Alabama and he managed governor george wallace gave him several uh stays of execution as hard as that is to believe before they shot his ass um and this is a good book talking about how white folk in mississippi where emmett till was how white folks had armies that went around mass killing black folks in mississippi after the civil war that's what really happened with reconstruction is white folks just went around and outgunned the blacks that were resisting so in order to document, prove, and verify, um, oh, and this is a really good one. This is a real good book talks about how white folks killed off and tried to exterminate all the Indians and other people. Um, uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing. I just, so we want you to support us. We have cash apps. We've got stuff we're doing. I am the president and co-founder of the Black American Constitutional Political Action Committee. And we are on several fronts right now. The main thing we're doing is fighting against H.R. 41. I'm sorry, H H.R. 4321. And we want you guys to support people like Q and Dr. Winters. And of course, support people like me. You want to know how my cash app is right there which is cool um or my email which you can always write me if you have a question and you're not doing anything silly um and yeah someone had this thing about dr not let me just say this to you uh, this person said they'd never heard of dr not and this is the kind of shit that that why you have these books because dr josiah not and another man you know what i'm talking about dr um uh winters and glitton and the 1850s came together to create a book classifying. They had the first encyclopedia of racism, justifying white people hating and exterminating black people if necessary. And let me see if I can get the title of that book for you. That's that book is in my basket because the original book you can't buy for less than a few thousand dollars. I've only seen the book once. The last time I saw it was about 25 years ago. Dr. Uh, Blakely, the one who did the African Graveyard Project in New York, if you remember that, they found the bones. He had a copy. It was like a $15,000, $20,000 book. Uh, and uh, so Josiah Knott and Glidden, they're the, the main American architects of justifying and classifying 
black people being subhuman based on what they said was measuring people's size of their heads, size of their brains, doing all kinds of pseudoscientific things, which is the basis of how people justified wiping us out, cheating us out of things, discriminating. Josiah Knott, who's from Memphis, Alabama, was a doctor and did all kinds of freaky, cruel experiments on black people, sort of like Dr. Sims, who would cut open black women. This is, uh, they call it science. And uh, so we, we can have a conversation on scientific racism in the future. I just want people to know as we begin to debate for reparations and other things, a lot of people haven't even thought about how deep the rabbit hole of this hatred and genocide is. And when people talk about critical race theory, um, it is it is actually a good thing as compared to Josiah Knott or Charles Darwin or all of these other people. Um, uh, it would be easier for people to get it, um, to get reparations, the person that asked the question, for us to get on the federal level. The states uh, are like their own countries. If you thought you'd get it in Mississippi, you won't. The best example is if, if you look at that city down in Alabama that's 85% black. And the black folks, even with the black elected mayor, don't have any power because they won't even let him sit down in a town that's basically 90% black. Uh, a lot of black people are cowards. They don't stand up. They won't band with other black people. They worship white people. The religion of black people, for the most part, is worshiping white people. They say they're Christian or Muslim. I don't believe it. Because were we people who believed in an all-powerful God that worked for us, you wouldn't find people's lips gorilla glued to the rectums of people that hate their gut. In fact, a lot of Klansmen can't put their robes on because Negroes have their lips stuck to their asses. They can't even get the robe down. It's like, go on, nigga, get out my ass, right? Because we worship them. We do not believe that uh, we are equal, or, or not equal, better, <laughs> equal to or better than the people who mess us over. So um, the feds are the best way to go. The Fed can be held accountable internationally and otherwise. Um, we have to do everything that we can to advance that. So um, tonight, uh, the topic was freakdom or freedom. And uh, one of the reasons that we, we picked that is that a lot of folks think walking around with your dick hanging out or your ass hanging out or your tits hanging out or w looking stupid, your hair different colors and all this other kind of stuff, that that's freedom and that's license or basically uh, uncontrolled sexuality and lust is not freedom. Slaves had sex. Slaves got blowjobs. Slaves had orgies. <laughs> Slaves had, had babies with lots of people. Slaves walked around naked sometimes because they didn't have any clothes. Slaves were branded. Slaves had tattoos. A lot of stuff that people walk around thinking they're so free. Yeah. You're, you're really acting like a slave. You just have been told by no one holding you to any 
standard that that's freedom. That's it. F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B, freedom. The real freedom is very, very different. And so we don't have freedom. We have freakdom. We have freaknik. We have a lot of Luciferian, anti-life, anti-family, anti-Black American survival and prosperity behavior that people think is freedom. Buying from people that hate you, spending money with people that hate you, running after sexual liaisons with people in other groups that hate you. That, I guess that's freedom for some people, but it's dissolution if you really look at it. And I'm not telling you who to lay down with. Um, thinking that a rectum is a vagina. Maybe the person can pass themselves off as a female. And, and these days, people's standards are so low, practically anyone could be a female. I mean, some of the sisters look so hard. I mean, a lot of them, man, if a sister told you they were a construction worker or a world record weightlifter, I'd believe them. <laughs> and a lot of the guys, if they change their voices a little bit, you would think that they were female. But it isn't what it appears. It's mm -hmm. not symbolism. It isn't style. It's substance. It's tangibles. That monument isn't a tangible to the black people down in Mississippi that is still broke. There are practically no clinics to help young women that are pregnant with babies. The people can't read down there. The rates of syphilis across the country are going to the ceiling, in particular in black areas, people. Um, putting up, they could give everybody a statue. They can have a Malcolm X statue, but that won't help. The spiritual and mental wreckage that exists right now amongst Malcolm X's surviving family members. We really need stuff, schools, buildings, housing, clothing, land, resources, factories. That's what we need. We don't need strokes on our ass. I can touch myself. I can stroke myself. I don't need uh, Joe Biden's arthritic pedophile hand touching me. I can take care of me. Things that they're offering to us are style. Ooh, isn't Biden nice? Look at what he did. He's the same person that told us get behind Hispanics. He's the same person whose Justice Department, right up in Chicago and New York, now some of these illegals are attacking black people in their own homes and their neighborhoods, stuff that white crackers don't think to do. These illegals are literally an army. They're literally putting army bases of these gangsters in our neighborhoods and the police won't arrest them, but they do arrest black folks who resist them, bothering them. That's what Biden's done. He's provided them tangibles, food, shelter, medical care, and even police protection when they're in the raw. And niggas are getting off, masturbating, and having waterfalls in their drawers for hey, statue. Dr. Winters. There's a, there's a comment here. I'm in Atlanta. The degeneracy here is next level. It's definitely one of the hubs of the spirit of freakdom. Let's just say this for the record. For you folks that are down in Georgia, 
I have family from all over Georgia. I have family up in Richmond County, all the way down to Thomas County, Georgia, uh, where Dion Warwick's and my family both have relatives. I, I think Dion Warwick, you know, might be my cousin because uh, we got relatives named Warwick. Now, look, I got family all over Georgia. I got them from Savannah to Columbus. I have them in Atlanta. What's being done through Atlanta is mind control. The, the, the Greek letter people, the Boule, their Pentagon is Atlanta University system. And they have bewitched black people. I'm going to say this and I don't care who doesn't like it. The Greek letter societies are Luciferian. They are pansexual. They are anti-black. And they are, um, they're in the way they're gatekeepers and they promote, they promote freedom, not freedom. I need to remind people that Dr. Martin Luther King was Alpha Phi Alpha and those guys kicked him out for being a jailbird. And let me say something about these little fake ass boule people. I'm gonna say some shit. I haven't done that in the interview, but I, I wanna make some of those fake ass black and gold niggas mad. The monument that they have for Dr. Martin Luther King with the Chinese woman, you know, put up the sukiyaki Dr. King. <laughs> He's got more iPhones than Charlie Chan and shit. Nobody black had a suit, a jacket with five buttons on it. That's some bullshit. I mean, come on. When is, did they have five button jackets for black people back in the day? Like one or two, maybe three, but not like full five buttons. That's not even some shit Dr. King Doc, wore. But anyway, Doc, they Doc had short, before you before you before you finish, explain that. Because I don't think a lot of people that are younger understand the, the significance of buttons in the shirt and on buttons in the jacket. Uh, for me, I'm not trying to go deep. I'm trying to say that the style of clothing that black people wore. When Dr. King was alive, tended to just have two buttons, if not one button. Am I right, Dr. Winters? One or two. They didn't tend to have three or four. That's not the kind of clothes we wore. Anyway, where I'm going with this is that Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, which seduces people, says you could be like Martin Luther King if you let us run a train on you and beat your ass. You might turn out like Dr. Martin Luther King. Alpha Phi Alpha has at least 100,000 members, if not more. After years of fundraising to put up the monument for Dr. Martin Luther King, with 100,000 members, the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity did not raise a half million dollars. I want to contrast this with my little teeny tiny GoFundMe that many of you have blessed me on. There are a couple of contributions I need to add into the amount, but I'm somewhere between 35 to five, I'm gonna add everything up. It's probably like 4,500 to $5,000. I'll, I'll probably do it like next month. If I could get generous people to give me as an individual $5,000, if each of those Alpha Phi Alpha people have been able to get $1,000 a piece, 
they would have been able to significantly fund the King statue that's here in DC, but they didn't even get a half million dollars and they did not get $400,000 and they did not get $300,000. They did not get a quarter of a million dollars. They did not get $200,000. They got, and I got this from the person running the project. Alpha Phi Alpha had about $100,000 raised for Dr. King's statue after years of raising money. 100,000 people struggled to come up with a dollar piece. That's what the fucking Blu-ray is. They're crook, liar, chiseler, grifter, trash. It's all about their parties and their orgies and them spending money in the white hotels. When it came down to the most illustrious member of their fraternity, the average, you getting a dollar out of their asses. You couldn't even put that in a stripper's garter at a rundown stripper joint. I mean, you you tried to make it rain for a dollar. She put her clothes on and kicked your ass when you came out the front door. You know, Alpha Phi Alpha couldn't raise a, a quarter of a million, half million, three quarters of a million, or a million dollars with hundreds, tens, I'm sorry, scores of thousands of members who have good jobs and employment because they're fucking fools, they're clowns, they're not serious about our survival advancement. And that's just an example. So what happened? Because Alpha Phi Alpha, they didn't just drop on drop the ball, they defecated on that shit. The white corporations came in and they put up the Dr. King that they wanted people to know. And I'm not saying the Alpha Phi Alpha are going to put up anything progressive or radical, but if you go down and, you know, you think Dr. King is basically trying to kiss the pinky ring and the clitoris ring of all the white folks, that's not exactly who he was, but that's what you'll get if you go down there. And his own frat brothers, who reclaimed him after his ass was dead, couldn't even come up with more, couldn't even come up with 10 bucks a piece. You know, one of the one of the family, one of the family just said it should be a civil war in the black community. No, it shouldn't be a civil war in the black community. What well, I think it should be. What the black community needs is, is in a sense, education. What we forget in a sense is that 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 when they when they when they do things like what what President Biden did today, by bringing by bringing up a swamp, by bringing up a court where there was injustice, everything they do is to make you feel that you cannot fight them. Everything they do to us, in a sense, is to enfeeble us, is to make us feel weak, you see. Therefore, in a sense, because of the fact that they're, they're, their whole optics are to make us want to give up and, and, and decide because of what we believe, because of what they give us. See, right now, in a sense, you're absolutely correct. We don't support, we don't support each other. And the reason we don't support each other is that, is that just, as, uh, just as Dr. Short said, is that Many black people have a deep fear. There's many black people with money that feel that they put their name to something that 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 the white man will know. 
See, we, many black people, because of the fact that we're sick, because of the fact in the sense that many of us do not have any type of uh, identity, and many of us suffer from caves. What is caves? Caves is culturally acquired identity immune deficiency syndrome. What that is in a sense is that many black people regulate themselves without even having any white people around. Many you mean self-censored themselves right. and they, they punk themselves out yeah, yeah. of standing up. Um, I have to say this though, Elder, we do need a civil war and, and, we, and we need a regime change. We need a coup because education and see, uh, you know Boule people, I know Boule people too. And the Boule people I know, they know that they're wrong. They know sometimes the information and you know what? They're in power, they're enabled by white folk and they feel just like what you, black folk wouldn't dare deal with them. And that's why they're doing this. The only way that will change is the day that some black folks put their hands on people that betray us, that will send the message, stop betraying us. It's not gonna come through moral suasion and hoping that people, if you just tell them, you give them, they'll just do it. I, look, I talked to, and I have a friend, I'm gonna introduce you to him, who was bodyguards to one of the people in the King family. Let me tell you what he told me. He told me, because he and I had a falling out and all, I said to him, look, I, I'm not mad at anybody in any of these families where people got assassinated. I'm not petty. I'm not. Uh, but my thing is, is that there's no way if they gave a, a rat's ass about black people that they would be so quiet about all of these things all the time. Even if they didn't want to be a target, they'd raise up and help other people and be in the background. There's a way that you can Booker T, you can push something and it not be attributed to you, but they're not doing that either. And so what he said, and he told me, Randy, the Kings hate poor black people. They're never going to do anything, no matter what, if all of the poor black people being killed, just nothing. They don't care. There's nothing. You can't, no, no way. There's nothing. And you can give them all the books, all the information, and they'll still do the same thing. They would respond better to people boycotting their asses, which is still an act. <clears throat> it is a civil war. It's a cultural civil war. We're not going to support your asses anymore. We're not going to go to your church. We're not going to do this. These people will not do it voluntarily. They will have to be made to do it, forced to do it. Um, as my associate, one of my uh, elders, was explaining that James Brown had no intention of singing the song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, he was forced to do it by Black Panther and other made James Brown says, damn it, you're making all this money, you're super, super rich, and our people need to hear this. And they stood over his ass and made him record it. You need to remember that James Brown didn't get another top 10 hit until 1985, 86 with Living in America because white radio punished him. But at the same time, the most significant record he ever cut, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. He was forced to do it. Okay, 
a lot of changes that happen. But but, see, and but, our here's, but here's the whole point: is that is that you can't have a cultural revolution. But see, what I'm talking about is this: is that if you have a civil, if you have a civil war, the reason that you can't have a civil war is that most black people, in a sense, hate themselves. Since most black people hate themselves, then most black people will willingly be ready to kill each other, shoot each other over some bullshit. But what you had to do in a sense, well, they're already mean, doing let that. Me, let me finish. <laughs> I mean, is this is that? It's not. They're already doing that in a way, but it's not. It's not really seriously done. See, this is a, this is the first time in history that we can have a cultural revolution because of the fact in a sense is that this is the first time in history where we're able to set out propositions. We're able in a sense to set out intelligence. See, the whole point is this is that in the past. Everything was handled by the white media. And because everything was handled by the white media, then therefore, in a sense, the majority, vast majority of black people, they got their information from the uh, from from the from the uh, from the European media. But see, today in a sense, today in a sense, because of the fact that that we do have the new black media, we do have people like 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 Dr. Q up here, we with his program, we got Afro Elite, we got we got other people in a sense who are spreading knowledge and see as people spread knowledge, that's what I'm talking about in terms of teaching. In the past, in the past, people waited. When I grew up, see, it's, it's no, it's no, uh, you had to remember, I grew up in Chicago. When, when I studied Chicago history, Chicago was a very, very militant, very, very forceful city before people from Mississippi came. Cause like I told my mother and father, I said, most of y'all from Mississippi are some kiss asses. Don't and my mother got mad and she wanted to slap me, but I was 21. But I said, I said in a sense, I said that 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 you have to stand up for something. You see, you have to stand up for something. And see what happens is this is that today we have a we are able to communicate with each other. We're able to express our ideas. We're able to make people think. And see, that's the revolution that has to take place. Is to think. It's in the family. For example, with my kids, in a sense, you know, I had to teach my sons. I told my sons when they were growing up, you know, is that you better be a man. I told them what my father taught me. You see, I said, you better be a man. I said, if you get a family, take care of your family. And I said, if you change the black community, not by, in a sense, joining or, or building organizations, you change the black co community by teaching your child, that one child, to love himself and to love his people. What we find, in a sense, is that many people do not love black people. The boule is a good example. The boule, in a sense, they love their families, but they don't love black people. I love every week I like to look at, in a sense, in class with Carr. But see, we've been taught a boule history. We've been taught a history, in a sense, that encourages us to be traitors. We've been taught a history that encourages us to give up. Because you got to remember, in a sense, is that, that the, thing, the things changed in this country, not because of the activities of black people in the South, the thing changed in this country because of the activities of black people in the North. And the reason that it changed because of people like me and others is because of the fact in the sense that I grew up in Chicago. I didn't have no white friends. My mama, my mama and my auntie, my mama and my, my mother-in-law, they talked about how they grew up with white people. And, and then they reached a certain point where the, where, where the family said, you can't play with them niggas anymore. And so then in a sense, they, they, were, they were in a sense harmed because they wanted to be loved by those people. Growing up in Chicago, I knew what side of town I better not be on. I knew I better not be on Cicero, a street called Cicero in Chicago when I was growing up. Or their family. I know about Cicero. Oh my God! 
And I also, in a sense, I knew in a sense that I better not be in Mayor Daly's neighborhood. They would kill my ass. I knew this. See, that's the beauty of growing up in, in growing up in an urban area back in the day. You knew there were white people here and there were black people here. And neither of the two shall ever come together. But at the same time, we knew in a sense that I'll fuck you up. You see, mm. I'll fuck you up. And see, that's the whole problem today is that many black people don't understand the fact in the sense that there are people who are ready to challenge. Look at Doc, look at uh, Dr. Short. Dr. Short, in a sense, he got he got his he went to university, he got his PhD, but he don't have to be out here fighting. He could have he could have made it by, by getting paid off. You see, he could have made it in a sense by just kissing some white ass, or he could have made it by not even kissing white ass, but just not in a sense trying to 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 tell our people the truth. You see, and see our problem is is that many of us self police ourselves, and we self police ourselves because our families make us become cowards. I was talking to my son the other day. And so then I was telling my son, I said, hey, you know, you, you got to be cool on your job. And he said, he said, dad, I said, what? He said, he said, dad, why are you telling me that? He said, you told me that I should not kiss any ass and I should fight for what's right. And now you're telling me that I should be cool. I said, well, I'm just telling you this because I can't take care of number one family, you see. But the point is this is that he caught me in a contradiction. And, and, and see, that's the whole contradiction. You have to you have to be willing to take a consequence. There's a consequence. There's a consequence for doing this. Yes, I have 40 books. I have about 300 articles published, you see. But the whole point is this is that all my life I was that black guy, you see, that black guy. Now, what are, what are black people saying that black guy was because they were afraid of me. They didn't want to hear the truth. People are afraid of Dr. Short. They think because Dr. Short make a lot of jokes, they think that Dr. Short is not being on point, but Dr. Short is always on point. Dr. Short is like, oh, hound dog. And that hound dog, he pointed that prey, and he'll fuck you up. But he always gets the prey. And see, this is what we have to understand. Yes, we have to have a cultural revolution. Yes, we have to make inform our people. You see, yes, it is, it is shameful. I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm not going to tell a lie, you see. I had to do my research. When I did my research, I had to tell my wife, uh, sometime I'm not going to get the kids any shoes this week. I'm a, I got. I want to buy a book. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Can you agree with me? Because my wife, I love her. I wish she was here with me. But my wife always said, you do it for the people. Do it for the love of the people. Do it for the love of the people. And so mm. I had to finance my research, you see. That, that didn't come from nobody giving it today, though I'm lucky. I got a good Patreon. And the people on my Patreon, they support me. They give me ideas. And the point is this is that they help me to fight caves. See, I'm out here to fight caves. I'm out here to fight culturally acquired immune identity deficiency syndrome. What this is in a sense is that when black people don't know who they are, when black people don't know where they are, they gain, they gain in a sense, a pandemic. And this is a pandemic of caves. And this cage comes from the fact that when you don't know who you are, you lose your immunity to whiteness. And the reason you lose your immunity to whiteness is because, because of the fact that you don't know who you are, you lose your identity. And you think if you can be boule, if you can be just a little white, see, if you can just have a little whiteness. Just a little bit. If you can, if you can just keep a nigga down just a little bit, <laughs> if you can keep that nigga down, then you are on, the, on team white. 
And because you're on Team White, you feel very secure. So see, that's why it's about knowledge. But see, <clears throat> look at what look at what Tariq Nasheed. We ought to look at Tariq Nasheed. Tariq Nasheed, he was the first one to bring to our attention to tethers. I never thought about tethers, you see. I never thought about that. I never looked at the fact that they were calling us, you know, Akata and all that type of shit. I never looked at the fact that they were talking about, I did, I did years ago, though. I didn't like the fact that a lot of people from Nigeria and other places were getting scholarships that should have went to Foundation of Black Americans. I didn't like that issue. You see, I didn't like it. But the point is this, though, is that that it was Tariq Nasheed. And so that just shows you, that just shows you what's, what you can do with social media. You see, I really, I really feel that, you know, and you too. See, we're we're at a very we're at a very important stage in our history. We're an important stage in our history where we have to get our people on point. We have to get our people on code, you see. And therefore, in the sense is that you get people on code the same way you're a missionary. As a missionary, I understand this is that as a missionary, you look, you lead by example. See, when you see a righteous man like Dr. Short. You see, a man in a sense, he don't just talk about Christianity. He lives his Christian lifestyle, see? Therefore, if you're a person in a sense that you believe in black power, if you believe in black identity, if you believe in a sense in black independence, then you had to live that life. You had to give that example, see? But at the same time, you got to allow people to understand that you need money. See, the reason, the reason that our history has been a boule history is because of the fact that we always had to depend on people who had who had independent sources of income to lead us, and that was mainly what preachers. Because see, preachers they could they could they had income coming from their uh, from their congregations, but then therefore the white man he couldn't in a sense cut out their economic base. He couldn't take away their ability to survive. So that's why in a sense we look up to the boule, and that's why even even if there's no white person around most black people will police themselves they will police themselves they will limit they will limit what they say and they will limit their behavior because the fact is this is that many black people feel that the white man is in their brain you hmm. never understand many 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 black people feel that the white man is sitting right next to them many black people feel that the white man in a sense knows everything they're doing which is false they don't know everything you're doing. They don't know everything you're saying. They don't know how you feel. But because of the fact in the sense that, that we've something has been done to, done to us. And what's been done to us is that they created the Negro driver. And the Negro driver, in the sense, he always was under the overseer. And the Negro driver, he was sent out to punish your ass. The Negro driver, he was sent out, in a sense, to, to, to beat you at the behest of, of, his, of his white overseer, see? So we always feel, in a sense, there's somebody out there you see you know <clears throat> i'm quite sure when you went to college q because i know when i went to college my mama told me and my daddy said don't you mess around with them math and them radical niggas up there at the university you see but i but hey that's what my mama told me but i didn't pay any attention to her because the point is this is that my father taught me to be a man my father taught me you see that's what's wrong today back in the day you had single mothers I mean, damn, it's always been single mothers, but it was an uncle around. It was a cousin around. It was, it was, it was somebody in a sense who, who, who gave our boys a manliness, gave our boys a manly spirit. They don't have that today. <clears throat> and because they don't have that today, they look for rappers. They look for gangs to, 
to, to be that symbol of how to be a man, that symbol of how to represent themselves. And this is what's called, led us to dig a ditch for ourselves, you see. But see, we can win this battle. We can win this battle by making, and just like people are doing, this whole idea nowadays is that we don't have any leaders. When you don't have any leaders, and they, they got nobody to go kill. <clears throat> when you don't have no leaders, they got nobody they can put in jail. Because the everybody, everybody is following the code. And that's why we live by a code today, you see. And so then the more people that you can get to become involved in the code, the better. You see, that's what that is what's so beautiful. But but Dr. Short, he's been he's been looking at one thing that has been our weakness. And one thing that's been our weakness is these pork chop feminists. And, he, and many of these pork chop feminists, because of the fact that their mama told them that they had to always watch a brother, because their mama told them that you can't trust a man to take care of you. Since their mama told them, in a sense, that a man will always hurt you, you see? Since, see, the, the vast majority of black women, they don't know what love is because they never experienced love. They never experienced love because of the fact, in a sense, that they didn't think their mama was love, and they didn't think their grandma was love. <clears throat> and so then the thing is, this is that, there's a weakness there. But see, the beauty is now that they're bringing up these people who are going around the, the world, <coughs> acting all stupid, going to, going to the uh, castle and, uh, and, and uh, you know, twerking. Yeah, mm -hmm. and all, all this thing. The more, the more that we're attacking this thought, this thought behavior, this ratchet behavior, you see, that is, that is the revolution. That is how you can whip somebody's ass. Because, see, I'll tell you this. You cannot, you cannot beat a sister's ass. Because if she going to argue at you, she going to keep on talking that shit. And that's just it. See, you you know, and that some people, because they're weak, <clears throat> they feel the only way to, to stop a black woman from talking is to slap her. I don't feel like that. My mom, my daddy taught me what to do. Jack, be nimble, Jack, be quick. Don't listen to that bullshit. <laughs> Smile, let, baby. Let, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask both of you guys. Um, and, and like yeah. I said, it's always a pleasure when I can chop it up with both of y'all um whether we're on the phone or doing the show does this next generation i guess we'll say the next generation really understand the ideology and forces against black liberation uh no no my uh my grandson and the rest of them see that 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 many of them are gamers anybody 30 and under they're gamers because they've been playing games online, yeah, when they play these games, <clears throat> they hear their so-called whites. It's always somebody on the online that they play calling them a nigger. Some sites they go to that they, they they hear all this stuff, but because because in a sense that they feel one white person they know like them, they don't believe that racism exists anymore. They don't they don't believe in a sense that we're being held back, and because of the fact in a sense that they don't understand CRT, critical race theory. And critical race theory, there's three things associated with, with, with CRT. It has nothing to do with history. It has to do with the fact that, number one, the white man hates you. Number two, the white man has set up a race called racism, a race in which he's going to always win if he, can, if he can make it. Number three, three, the legal system, the political system, and everything is based upon white supremacy. This is based upon these three things. You cannot be successful. And in fact, none of us are supposed to be successful. You shouldn't be calling me Dr. Winters. I shouldn't have got a PhD. 
Dr. Schultz shouldn't have got his PhD. Because you know why? Because the white man said, we're not going to give you a fucking thing. But we have one thing that they don't have. We recognize that it's through God Almighty that we made our way, you see. I'll never forget 1967. 1967, there was a girl down the block. She was free-hearted. So uh, me and my friend, we was going to go down there and see if we could, how free-hearted she was. <coughs> she, uh, she, she wouldn't let us in. So, I mean, hey, we were walking back. These uh, guys came up with some, back in the day, they had long cut, long coats. They had hats like, uh, like, uh, like the one that uh, Dr. Short has on. It was, they had a Barcelona on? Yes, sir. And they had long coats. So we, so these guys, we was coming back. Me and uh, my friend Jay Hop, you know James Hopper. So he, uh, so then they, they said, they said, they said, they said, D dang. <clears throat> that was a, that was a saying that the disciples said. I said, James, don't say nothing. They said, D Jack, D thing. He said, D thing. Man, they, they reached down up under there. They brought up a shotgun. They started saying, Stone to the bone. Started blasting away. It was the bloody Halloween of 1967. <clears throat> I saw my life. I saw my life go before me. My my uh, Harper he got shot in the back, but I saw my life come before me as I was running home that night, and that taught me a lesson. See, that taught me that there's only thing, only one thing that can keep me going, and the only thing that can keep me going is God Almighty. I've been at conferences, and all I would say at the conferences, this is seriously international conferences with Africans, Arabs, all that type of shit. And I would just say, black people, Africans, you could develop your country, you could do this, you could do that. All you got to do is look at your own history, look at your own economic development. You know what some of these black people told me? They said, I'm going to kill you. At an international conference, told me they're going to kill me. See, but I'm still here. You know what my wife used to say before she died? <clears throat> me and my wife, we were married 50 years. We were friends for 52 years. You know what she told me every day? Clyde, don't get me killed. I say, what, what, what do you mean? I'm not acting like I'm not acting like Doctor Short. Clyde, don't get me she wasn't she wasn't worried about nothing else. You took care of her, you provided, yes, you protected. But she said, don't you get her killed? That's right. She had her own car, all that type of bullshit. <laughs> Bought her a beautiful house, but she said, don't get me killed. Don't 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 get me killed. But because the reason is this is that the things that you do, see. The whole, the whole, the whole fact that you have the, the desire, and and the and the, and the courage, and bravery just to to fight for your people, you see, that's like putting the contract on your on your butt. See, look 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 at uh, look at Doctor Short's head. See, that's what happened to you. He's have a beautiful head of hair. He's have an afro about four four six inches high. Now look, see, and that that comes from fighting for the people. Look at this shit. See, I had, if you saw a picture of me, I had a beautiful afro. <clears throat> but what happens is, is that you pay a price. But luckily, my wife stood by me. You see, a lot of brothers, a lot of brothers, sisters, your wife ain't gonna stay near you. Because see, it's not gonna be easy. The fight for your people is not an easy job. And so then when you look at it, when you look at a brother like, like Reverend Short, I mean, Dr. Short, when you look at Dr. Short, Here's a man that's out there fighting for you every day. Every day he's out there. He's out here on, he's out there broadcasting. He's out there sending, sending emails, sending tweets, sending in a sense, uh, 
messages to let us know the truth. Yes, you should right now, everybody should be sending <clears throat> Dr. Short from your cash app. You should be supporting Dr. Short. You see, because he needs that money. I need that money to buy books and get this research going. If you want to help me out, join my Patreon. But the point is this, is that that's why the Boulay control stuff, because the Boulay, they had- the They're money. funded. They are funded. They're funded. And the reason that we're in trouble is the people that, that, um, that dictate what is for us are funded by the other people. That's right. We we have to, you know, I'm writing a manifesto right now with uh, my partner, the lady I think you talked to. And and my key thing is that we, we're going to talk about the failure of black leadership and what's what needs to be, why we have backpack and we hope to find companion groups to work with that can counter that. But I do want us to go and talk about freedom for a second, because, um, in fact, we should take questions. Absolutely, uh, Dr. Short, because that is the uh, the premise. Because at the end of the day, we we falling for the, the yeah freedom. freedom. We, freedom. we need to talk about what did the people out here? How do y'all feel? Is it freedom or, or freedom? I mean. So, to Somebody freak or not to freak? Give me booty or give me death? What, what is it? Give me busty or give me death? What is it that that you have? Um, I don't know anything about the Committee of 300 by John Coleman. I'm sorry. Me neither. Sorry. There are lots and lots and lots of books and things. So let me see. Uh, we are not just led by entertainers, but but by people that are performers and celebrities. And uh, that includes the church. T.D. Jakes is more a performer than a pastor. And I agree again with this brother. I, I think freakdom is easy. It's easier to chase your... your, your you know, your genitalia and your lust than to take up the black cross and struggle. It's not easy. And again, and again, it's entertainers because the fact, as I said before, they're the boule, they have the money, they have they have some type of independent, well, not, I'm not going to say independent, because just like Dr. Truett said, they get their money from, from the white folks who run this country, but they have, in a sense, an income that allows them to have the free time. Remember, in a sense, it's that Ever since slavery, the European has understood is that he had to keep us busy. He had to keep us working. He had to keep our mind on how to survive. That's why the average, the average black woman, the average black woman, sadly, do you know, the average black woman, by the time she gets 35, usually got, usually taking high blood pressure pills. You see, you know, she's usually in a sense, maybe even having heart trouble by the time she's 40. You see, why? Because the fact is that they put so much pressure on us to survive, you see? Mm -hmm. And this is, kind of, this is kind of very interesting because the estrogen, women produce estrogen so they can help keep down those stresses, you see? That's because of the fact they had to raise children. But our women, our women, because of the fact that so much pressure is put on us, put on the black family, put on the black, the black man and woman, that a lot of times our, our women 
as early as 35 are suffering these these heart-related diseases. They had a big thing today talking about why are all these young boys, why are all these young men, in a sense, having heart trouble? You see, like uh, no, jab, right. jab, right. jab, the jab, jab, see, a lot jab. Of they don't understand. They don't understand. See, they don't understand that 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 jab, especially especially in a sense that venom over there in England is killing black people every week. Uh, one of my friends over there in Britain, she's ever since ever since this summer, she's been going to a funeral every week, and that's because of the fact that many people have taken that 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 R DNA. See, let me explain something to you. Ninety-seven. 97% of the DNA that you carry is uncoded. You see, 97% of the DNA that you carry is uncoded. One of the easiest way that we code, we code is through social epigenetics. What I mean is by social epigenetics, that means that the experiences that you have from society, from living every day, this can encode, this can encode some of your DNA. Okay. But during the so-called during the so-called pandemic, people in a sense was given an untested venom. They was given an untested venom that, that in a sense was aiming to reprogram your DNA. <clears throat> that's why that's why that's why the last vi- the last virus, the last virus attack that we had that many people was getting, that was basically that was basically manufactured and carried by people who had had the jab. And if you notice, uh, people like uh, Jesse Jackson, that's, what, that's one of the things that made Jesse Jackson retire. Remember, he took the, uh, he took the venom. His wife didn't take the venom. Uh, his, wife, his wife was okay after two weeks. He had to go into a, he had to go into an, uh, a recovery center. He had to go to a rehabilitation center. We know in a sense that Colin Powell, he took, he took the, uh, he took the uh, venom. He was dead in a week. Uh, Renoko Rashidi, Renoko Rashidi, he didn't know in a sense that when you take the venom, venom, you cannot fly on an airplane. You cannot fly on an airplane. That's why those pilots didn't want to take the venom. Renoko Rashidi, he took he took the he took the venom so he could travel overseas, and his ass was dead in no time. See, this this stuff was serious. This stuff is serious. You see, because see, remember, you have taken something. That is reprogram your DNA, <clears throat> like my like my kids. A lot of my kids and my grandkids, because they worked because because they worked, they had to in a sense they had to take the venom. But I told them I said, do not take that DNA. Do not take that Pfizer or Moderna. I told them to take the I, t- I told them to take the other one that was in a sense a regular inoculation. Most inoculation they put a little bit of the, they put a little bit of the virus into the shot. And then when you take it, in a sense, that's opposed to 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 get your system to fight it. But see, <clears throat> that um, Moderna and Pfizer, because of the fact, in a sense, that it's it's our DNA. That means that it's reprogrammed your 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 genetic code to make you look for this. And so that so when you take that, they're looking for it. You see, now your body is looking for a virus. That's why, in a sense, people keep getting multiple multiple things do you know do you know that what doctors nowadays doctors <coughs> uh, one of the doctors said that nowadays a woman cannot say a doctor cannot say a woman has a vagina in the medical field you know what you got to say 
You had to call that a bonus hole. What? What? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. I love that bonus hole. <laughs> but again, the thing is, this that you got to call it bonus hole. In other words, in a sense, that's because the fact is that is that they want you to believe that these that these people who have a wound, and that's what it is—a wound. Those people, in a sense, who've had a, who've had their penis, their genitals removed, in a sense, they they cut a hole and they bought they cut a hole. And then if they don't keep if they don't keep putting in there uh, something to dilate it and keep it stirred up, it'll close up, and they have to keep sur getting surgery after surgery. <clears throat> I heard, now I heard this uh, one uh, uh, person talking about that uh, he wants to, well she wants whatever the hell uh, they want to have a period. <clears throat> My wife, as long as I can remember, she never wanted she never liked having a period, and in fact, a lot of times you know the average. I remember when I was teaching in school. When I was teaching, I taught uh, I taught sixth grade, and so a lot of girls would get that period around 12, 13. and so then so then you could tell when the, when these girls got their period because when they got their period, in a sense, they would have be having stomach pains and all that type of stuff. And yet these people say that that you're a cis, you're a cisgender, in a sense because <clears throat> that means in a sense if you're cis, cisgender, that means that you're the gender you were born with. And see, these things are very important and must be, must be in a sense observed. You see, is that is that everything is always going to be is going to be masculine, feminine. You see, it's always going to be either in a sense, you know, masculine and feminine, and that people have to look at this. And so, so as I said, is that when they bring this, when they bring it back, because they had a paper online. <clears throat> I wish I would. I wish I would have downloaded. And it explained everything that happened, everything that happened during the pandemic. And in this paper, it said they're going to bring the pan, bring another pan, pandemic in 2025. So be prepared for that, you see. And so, but but the whole point is this: is that we have to fight CAIDS, culturally acquired identity immune deficiency syndrome. And the only way that you can fight CAIDS is by is by foundational Black Americans knowing their history, knowing their culture. And being able, in a sense, to fight, to fight for their history and culture, based upon a code of conduct, and that once you understand that <clears throat> the boule dominate because the boule has the money. <coughs> Excuse me. Also, uh, I want to thank those people that are sending me cash apps. Thank you. I do too. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm taking these drops to keep my throat moist. I you know you, got, you guys in the chat, whether y'all realize or not, one thing about Dr. Short, and I always find this interesting when um, this is really <coughs> Dr. Short's, Dr. Winters, your camera dropped. But Dr. Uh, yeah, Short, I'm, this I'm, is his study I'm time. I'm going to give me some drops. <laughs> this is his time where Dr. Short goes into his study. So... Right now, what he's doing is, is nice. I said he's probably doing some reading and research down there. Um, so if you guys have any questions, make sure you put it in the chat so I can put it up for the doctors to answer the questions. Right. And and freedom. <laughs> Dr. Short, freedom. I, I have a question that's I'm going I'm, to I'm direct directly to you. This might get uh, Dr. Winters a little excited, too. Double agents. Mm -hmm. Sure, we do. 
But I don't even think they're double. Someone like Roland Martin or, or Oprah Winfrey or Skip Gates, a lot of these people are relatively committed to advancing themselves. You know, I got a message today from a brother in New York who said he had reached out to Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, who's a House Minority Leader, the leader of the Democratic Party in the U.S. Congress. And what he reported to me was that Hakeem Jeffries' office, the people he spoke to, were not aware of H.R. 4321, which is insane. If it's true, that's even more reason to, dis to be disgusted with them. If it's not true, it underscores my point. These folks should be screaming bloody murder with this bill, but they're not. I believe it's true. I believe it's true. I believe it's you true. believe they don't know. Yeah, I believe they don't know because they don't really care. They don't care. They, they don't see themselves as being black. They see, they see themselves as being as being Americans. You see, in the mm -hmm. past, in the past, we knew who we were. They don't know who they were. They suffer from caves, culturally acquired immune identity deficiency. OK, system. so bring the next question then. So they don't want uh, to. It's unforgivable that they don't know. Dr. Winters, they got to know. No, they don't. No, they don't have to know. Why do, why do you why do you think they have to know when you've got people in a sense, their ears are plugged up. They only hear what they want to hear. You got in the sense of so-called liberal wing. You got to understand. <clears throat> These people are looking for something that says people of color. If it, say, if it says in a sense, if they have a certain code words in there, they don't believe in that. Yeah, they hear, they hear about reparations, but they don't really know how much people really want reparations. You mm. see, we are there, there's a disconnect between our political leadership and the regular people. And that, mm. that relationship comes from the fact that they don't really see themselves. You know, remember when they had that big thing in Memphis, when they had that brother who had the afro and he was wearing a dashiki and he was just he was just play acting. He was yeah. in Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Not yeah. Memphis. Yeah, Nash Nashville, Tennessee. And he was just <laughs> cosplaying. You know, just like you go to a Comic Con and you and you wear and you wear an outfit, you know. <clears throat> yeah, but you have to understand that. He was acting like one of the Wyans from In Living Color. That's Black how. Black Black remember, In Living yeah. Color, where they played the two preachers? Yeah. Jim Carrey would be one. He'd be like a Jimmy Swaggart person. This guy literally looked like like one of the Wyans, the Wyans that played the crooked minister. He even tried to sound like Dr. King. Yeah. <laughs> it's cosplay. It's cosplay. And so, because it's cosplay, you know, Q, you had to understand is that <clears throat> it can be people, you know, you can be on the same, and I'm going to give you an example. They don't have to know this because, see, they can, they can have, a, they can be talking about a bill and that brother or sister on the CBC, they may not even be in there. And if it's a, if it's a tether in there, what do we care? You don't care if you don't get shit. Now, understand, and there's something else. Now, I... Uh, 
I've said this, and I read it from the book the other night. Let me pull this book out. Uh, it because it was talking about how nasty people in D.C. are, and they're nasty. They're really nasty here. I, I'm from here. I always try to tell people it's really nasty here. These people are freaks, and all they care about is getting their rocks off. When people come to D.C., that's all they do is, like, do nasty stuff. Uh, let me see if I can find the book I had. And it was talking about uh, these parties that they were having. Oh, it's at the very bottom of my stack. Hold on. Whoa. Woo. It fell down. <laughs> okay. And this is from Gerald Horn's book, Dr. Winters, on uh, revolting capital. Racism and Radicalism in Washington, D.C. That's his new 19- book, isn't it? Have you read it yet? That's his new I'm book. reading through portions of it. You know, I can't read some of these. I read what I can. May pick up the next one. This book is... When did this come out? This... It's new, I know. This is a brand new? This is his latest? Yeah. Okay, well, I whenever Joe Horn does a book. But he was talking about D.C. and how sleazy people in D.C. are, and uh, how people get into all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm going to get this little portion. I think it's on page, I was reading this on the other space. Maybe it's page 10. Oh, here it is. And they're talking about corruption in D.C. Now listen to this. Um, Of course, the negative influences in the district didn't always emerge from the foreign legations. Then congressional spouse Rita Jenrette recalled a time in the 70s when the district, a bastion of male chauvinism, she says, was renowned for creative orgies. At the first party, people were taking off their clothes at the door. What? Oh, I, I, complete, I completely believe this. Uh, Atlanta... Atlanta uh, isn't dirtier than D.C. That's why I call it the District of Caligula. It's nasty here. And, in fact, it's so nasty until, you know, it's just the way it is. We lead the country in terms of gay marriage and everything else. D.C. is probably the nastiest place in the country. Um, But the monuments and other stuff uh, spook people. They think, oh, it's serious. So a lot of the Congress people are out uh, screwing their pages. I mean, they have like a little school for kids that they can screw. And I always tell people, I was, I could have gone to the school and at the last minute I decided I didn't want to go. And that year they had the big scandal, the congressman screwing the kids. In fact, you're from Chicago. You're Dennis Hastert. Dennis Hastert. Dennis Hastert, I saw him on the 5th of May, 2005 using coded sex language to a boy right there in the capital of the United States. I, I, I had to ask God for strength. I went in the room and started screaming. Uh, I said, God, please just get me out of here. I, I can't stand pedophiles. I might like hit him and then I'd be, I'd be in jail to this day because no one understand what it upset me. A nasty, filthy, degenerate man. You see, he got busted ultimately when I got home, I called a man you've heard of named Philip Smith. I know you heard of Philip Smith. He used to do activism. 
in the 60s, 50s and 60s. I know you heard of him. And then Philip Smith had to flee to Chicago because Dale and them were going to kill him. That was like movement, my movement uncle. I called and I told him it may take 10 years, but Dennis Hastert is going to get busted for molesting kids. That was in May 2005. And May 2015, 10 years later, he got busted. It came out. In fact, when he uh, resigned uh, his position, it was in that same period. Uh, Foley resigned first, the congressman who was deviant gay con congressman from Florida, who was writing all kinds of sexy love letters to all the kids in the D.C. Capitol Page School. That's the school. It's like sort of like altar boys for the priests to screw in the Catholic Church. They had their shit here, too. Yes, they do. I'm here. I live near Catholic University. They freaks. Freak, 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 freak. Sometimes they're supposed to be walking around with their with their daggone uh, friars robes and shit with no drawers on and shit. It's nasty here. It really is. I don't even go outside. I just don't want to know about it. But I'm going to say something to you. Congressman Foley got busted for harassing these boys at the school. I called my uncle, the man you heard of, Philip Smith, the one that did all the black power writing for Gary and Newark. I know you've heard of him. I know you have, Winters. I told him, watch, in 72 hours, Dennis Hastert is going to submit his resignation because he's connected to this man trying to screw these kids. Within three days, Hastert, let it be known in 2005, that he was going to step down from his position. There was a guy I know who was nephew of the current dean of the chapel of Howard University, Dr. Bernard Richardson's nephew, I saw him with Hastert. It it looked, <laughs> you can't prove a lot of shit. But you know what? I never ever heard or saw or that dude was like, in it, it all sort of like, it all sort of stopped. Although I do know he beat up this girl <laughs> in the building I lived in. That was the nephew of the Dean of the Chapel. But he was with Hastert. And my sense was, Hastert had this guy because he was a, a presentable looking young black man, but Hastert probably was trying to make a move or thought about making a move on this brother. I'm just trying to tell you, these Congress people, shoot, they'll grab your meat like it's grapes in the store. They Because they figure when they got the power, they can do what they want. Yeah. Always remind people that in Washington, D.C., before it was our capital, Princeton, Borden, they were all kinds of capitals of the United States, but the freaky plantation owning people used to raping slaves, boys. Those folks would come and bring that shit to every town they were in. Uh, you're in Jersey. You you know that the U.S. Capitol was in several cities in Jersey, and each town in Jersey, they would fucking make people so mad. People trying to kill the Congress people. They recognized that you can't have these freaks in a place where Congress doesn't set all the rules because folks will kill their asses. Folks are coming in there getting high, uh, screwing all the holes and not paying nobody, saying, I'm a member of Congress. <laughs> and people said, we'll tell you, Congressman, I got two friends. They pull out their guns. And so they ran the Congress out of city after city. And so they had to create a place where people could fuck all they want, drink all they want, lie all they want, fight all they want. 
And that's how they made D.C. And also there'd be slavery, which guaranteed there'd be lots of people that they could screw. And they have all kinds of tunnels and stuff. They And they were screwing black folks. And they had little houses with no windows where they would like screw the people. The term is called one-eyed cat. These are the white men that fucked all the pretty black woman slaves. That was sort of like a hobby. This is a nasty ass city. It's a wicked, decadent ass city. We should have reparations. Trust me, if they're sexually harassing people today with laws in the books, imagine what happened to little girls and boys and ladies and even men back when uh, doing whatever you wanted to people was legal and you didn't have any rights. In fact, to this day, I want to ask the audience, who out there has ever heard of a white man that's been convicted of raping a black woman in their life? And if you do, show me the goddamn case. Let's take a few minutes. Who out there has a conviction of a white man raping a black woman? Put it in the chat. Oh. Huh? No, I said put it in the chat, family. Yeah. If you if you know of one, put it in the chat. We're looking so for that. Put it in the, the chat. Answer, Show, Show me. Right just the answer right here. Okay, I hear never. I've yeah. never, I've, I've never ever heard never. of of a, and I have a, an associate. I, I know you've heard of Dr. Randall. She's an international human rights person and a historian. She was up in Ohio. I know you know about her, right, uh, Randall? Yeah. She's an expert on law and race and sex. I had to blow her mind that I had one case that I ran across where white men were convicted. Uh, they convicted four, three or four white men of, of raping a black woman that they had killed. Had they not admitted to having sex with her, they would have beaten the murder charge. But because they let people know that they had screwed the black woman that they killed, they got busted for rape. That happened in 1956, if I'm correct. That is the, but notice the woman was murdered. <laughs> that is the only rape conviction that I've ever run across. I have books everywhere. I've never heard seen another case of a, of a white man being convicted for raping a black woman. It does not happen in this country with any regularity because it is not a crime for white men to rape black women or for that matter, black men. You won't hear cases of white men that rape yeah. black women. Remember the girl up in the Midwest that killed the white man that was pimping her, who had trafficked her and they put her in jail for murder. They did never dealt with the rape. They didn't care. White men can't rape black women, black men, nor black children. Who? Brother, brother might have found a case. The conviction of Daniel Houseclaw. Okay, now wait a minute. He, he, he's Asian. He's half Asian. He's half Asian. That's why they busted him. He's half Asian. You show me a 100% white man. And the fact that I didn't say it doesn't happen, the fact that you can think of just one, you, you can think of 
a half a an a Eurasian dude targeting black women. And by the way, the women complain for years and people refused. It got to the point where they could not ignore the raping. Had he just raped 10, he would have gotten away with 10 rapes. He probably raped more than 13. And he probably raped some white ones too. That's why they want to yeah. get Yes, yeah, so but my point is he's not a white dude. That's why he got busted. The same way that Somali man shot that Australian bitch up in Minnesota and they convicted his ass. They let him back out. They've never rushed to deal with a white man that shot anyone black with the same speed. It just doesn't and, happen. And if, and if you notice if you notice, the police never shoot gangbangers. They never shoot gangbangers. They always shoot innocent people. Game bangers and white folks are always, in a sense, arrested without any conflict. That's because they want to get that brother back on the street as fast as they can to kill another brother. See? And the person said half Asian and white. Yep, that white people basically were willing to give him up. And um, and in the case of, uh, what's his name, George Zimmerman, he was half Jewish and half Peruvian. They were not going to convict a Jew for killing a black male no. because his father was Jewish. They claimed him that he was seen as white. You guys in the chat, if you have any questions, they act the doctors. It's best to, uh, yeah, because we got chat, like about 20, chat, 23 minutes we're left. We're coming up on our almost two hour mark. And yeah, and, 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 and we can talk these, about uh, distinguished gentlemen. Well, I mean, we can go, but freak them. Uh, questions, thoughts, and and symbolism. We can continue to have this conversation, but we need more than symbolisms. Dr. Winters. Is Holtzclaw a Jewish answer. name? Uh, I didn't look it up. I did not look it up, but all you need to do is, let's see, keep that thing up there. Don't take it down. It probably could be a Jewish name. Hold on. Let's see what Holtzclaw is hold on it's german but it doesn't say it's jewish Uh, the word Holtz is the German word for wood or forest. Well, and he, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. The only good German name is Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, the black nigger. That's that's the name that we all know. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, by the way, um, Holtzclaw means wood thief. So I guess he would be uh, a crotch thief or a wool thief. <laughs> okay, okay. Or, 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 now, 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 you, now, the brother that brother or sister that just put this question up, I um. 
I'm gonna just put it up. I, this is a tough question when I whenever somebody asks this question to these two, it's always tough for me to put up because they speak about this a lot. Aside from Dr. Winter's book, what are some hmm. good books on black people we should know about? God, <laughs> everybody, everybody should uh, everybody should read um, uh, you know, uh the uh, you know uh for non-books, everybody should read for non-books. You know, black, 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 black skin, black, whatever, white mask, whatever. It's a France phenomenon. Well, here's what we're going to do, okay? Um, one book I would recommend. This, there's some real easy ones. Uh, the Betrayal of a Negro by Rayford Logan is a good yeah, book. That's a good one. That's a good black one. bourgeoisie is a good book. Um. There, there is uh, let me see I, I may have just said it Carter G. Woodson's book The Miseducation of the Negro is an excellent book um, all of Amos yeah. Wilson's books she Amos Wilson's them. books are good um, uh, the book what's this guy's name that was at Ebony Lerone Bennett Jr. has a series of books uh, Gerald Horn Gerald Horn, the author, he's got lots of really good books. Lots. Lots of good books. Gerald Horn. He has probably uh, as many books as Dr. Winters. And uh, a lot um, of his stuff in his books include international affairs, uh, so uh, it, it, events here, uh, black history. He, he mm -hmm. doesn't limit himself to just to just black history. He's a he's an uh, he's a very good uh, author and he uh, he deals with international affairs. And that's kind of strange because see, most brothers I know that uh, I I've written on international affairs, but most uh, most black people most uh, black people when they're historians or anthropologists they, they mainly only talk about uh you know uh the black community. But uh Gerald Horn he's written a lot of beautiful books. And Gerald, Horn, Gerald Horn is one is about yeah. my favorite these yeah. days, and um, there, what would make more sense because the person that asked that, with all due respect, it's almost like um, you don't mean it to be, but it's like a stupid ass question, and and although it's a serious question, it's like saying, asking, um, and keep this crude. Um, Where's a good place to find pussy? I mean, that's like everywhere. I mean, it's, I mean so there's so many answers to that. What would make what would make more sense is because uh, and I I try not to answer a question like that, not to be uh, rude or nasty, but um, what I might recommend may not be anything that you need so you should refine the question and say okay i'm interested in what biographies or i'm interested in labor history or i'm interested in social history i'm interested in black leadership i'm interested in political economy to, to because it's so vast until and you know you don't want to like not give you uh, a reasonable answer because uh, that's that would be like asking which 
which uh, which R and B songs do you would you recommend? And then you start saying, ah, <laughs> and, and it one could end up giving you a whole bunch of things that have have no interest or no appeal to you. So you should refine your question for a subsequent conversation that we can have about black literature. So, I mean, so if you want to ask something about say slave black religion, okay, then it'd be Rabito, or you would have, what's this fool's name? Uh, uh, James Cone. Speaking of Cone, I was thinking of you, uh, Brother Q. Uh, hockey Madabu, not Hockey Madabuti, but um, they're they're various the people. Guy, the other guy, the uh, the uh, one that talked about the revolutionary Christianity. Uh, oh, you're he, talking about uh, Klieg? Yeah, yeah. He he wrote some good books, but I think a good question is what books maybe informed us. I think that would be a better question. What books? Yes, right. Me, who I am, for example. If you were going to ask that, I would I would have to put. The key book would be uh, The Man Who Cried I Am. The Man Who mm. Cried I Am, what I liked about that book is that it talked about the fact that there was a conspiracy to kill black people. And more importantly, is it talked about the fact that he, he said, he said, why do the Chinese, why do the Chinese have the same name as Gambians? Why do the, why do the Chinese wear the same hats that, uh, that Africans wear? And you know, uh, if I could only go to the archives in Yemen, what I would know. That's what sent me on my uh, quest to really learn about our ancient history. And then I used to read a lot of books on, like like uh, uh, Dr. Short said, the black middle class, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, Jay Rogers' books, Carter G. Woodson books, uh, especially in the sense of the education of the Negro, all these things is that I, I think that, that, that we really need a baseline. You know, we don't have a I think today I was thinking when I was uh, when I was teaching at university, you know, I hate the fact in the sense that all my students were mainly white because I taught at white universities, all my students were white. But the point is this is that it was a lot of books that I that I wished that I would have had a predominantly black student body so I could really teach them. That's what I do in my class. I teach an, uh, I teach a class, it's a 15-week course, and I teach it uh, I got one beginning August 7th where I teach people how to do research into uh, various aspects of anthropology, linguistics, psychology, history, and uh, genetics. And, and, I, and I, I, I teach my students how to interpret the literature, how to write. And, you know, like... Uh, like Dr. Uh, Winters, you know, is, it, is it still time to register for your class? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't start until August 7th. I'll send you some information, you know, and uh, if, you want, if you want to join it. But uh, the thing is, this is that, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of some of the students I've had, they've been publishing articles. Uh, two of the sisters, uh, Shanice Lindsay, she wrote a book called King Offa. And in this book, she talks about the uh, the prehistory of, uh, of black people in uh, Britain. Then she talks about the uh, the king in Britain, because, see, the Scottish kings, they call themselves uh, nigger or nigger. The, the Scottish kings, in a sense, they call themselves nigger or nigger. And uh, she wrote a very good book. And then, uh, then Baquette, she wrote a book called The Mother's Wound. And I think this is the most important book that I've read in the past couple of years. And in this book, The Mother's Wound, she talks about, she talks about how, how white society has impacted on our mothers. And they made our mothers, in a sense, carry a wound 
And because of, because of the fact that many of, of our mothers have a great wound and an empty feeling, they've caused their children to suffer from trauma. And what Baquette does in her book, The Mother's Wound, is that she, uh, is that she, that she in a sense, she presents exercises that people can do to maybe help, 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 you know, alleviate that wound. It's a prescriptive book that provides, you know, exercises that can help you to get over that wound. Because see, we never really think about the problems that some mothers do. You know, every, you know, it's, it's sad, but sometimes your mother can't love you. Hmm. No, no reason hmm. of, the, no reason of, of their own. They pick out a child, you know, <clears throat> but then the other child they may not like. I always felt mm. my mother didn't love me because my father, here we go, a light, super light-skinned brothers, nice hair, gray <laughs> eyes. And I and I and I always believed that. And I asked my auntie, yeah. I said, I said, why I wonder why daddy don't like me. She said, Well, hey, he was on around before you got born. And so I think my mother transferred that onto me. But again, I, everybody should try to check out. A, a mother's wound by a cat because if you read this book it'll help you to fight that trauma because see our mothers our mothers have done stuff to us it's like a lot of people they believe that that black women are are feminists and and, and put down the black man because of, of white women no their mothers told them that that their fathers you know their fathers were no good their fathers in a sense overlord them their fathers didn't make enough money they father uh, left them sometime not being able to pay the bills. And they tell their daughters, don't marry no man that, that ain't got no money. They tell their daughters in a sense that you got to be all, always independent. And as you know, if a woman is independent, it's easy to quit a woman who is independent because you don't feel she needs you anyway. So, I mean, after you, after you hit it, then you can quit it without any problems. See? But again, in a sense, it's this psychology and it's these things that we had to deal with. So I've been uh, very excited about the fact that a lot of a lot of people have taken my course, and uh, and and they're turning out good stuff. We even got people who are who are publishing papers because what I feel is that I'm 72 years old, and I want to I want to leave a I want to leave a generation of people who are proud of their history, proud of their proud of in a sense their 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 ability, and and want to tell a story. You know, like like one of my students named Cheryl, she uh, designs. She designs, in a sense, her own clothing, her own her own clothing wear, and she took my class, and she learned she learned various ways how to do research so that she could market her uh, market her uh, dresses, her uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, that's uh, something. And uh, now, there's some books that are kind of good. Um, Manny Marable has a series of books. Yeah. Uh, Race Rebellion and Reform is good, although I'm not interested in this Malcolm X book. And I got passed over by some white gay students. Uh, I had applied to Columbia. I hoped to study with him. You know, he wanted moist people. That's okay. His ass is dead. I'm still here. They all want what a mighty them. God we serve, right? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to say that now. But Manning has some good books. Um, Nell Painter has good books, a really good title for her. She has something on white people. Um, uh, Rayford Logan, again, I mentioned that, but I also want to mention E. Franklin Frazier has good books. Oh, I love he has books. several. I also want to mention Richard, I think the guy, Black Awakening and Capitalist America, as Alan has this, Robert Allen, I if I'm correct. 
Underrated. Yeah, it's 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 excellent. Yeah. Uh, another thing is, of course, um, uh, Bracy. There's certain things that I really like, which are books with quotes or essays. Bracy has a book called Black Nationalism in America. It's a very good book. Uh, Martin Luther King's last book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community, is a worthwhile book. Um, Black Reconstruction by Du Bois is a worthwhile book. Um, we start talking about people like Foner, John Hope Franklin. Uh, there, there's uh, any number of books. Uh, a really, really good person, um, and help me, uh, his guy's name is Robin. Robin's in New York, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, a book called Hammer and Hole that talks about black folks in the South in Alabama that were communists. Robin, I forget Robin's name. There's a guy named uh, Bush. We're not what we seem. See, but uh, huh? But but the thing is, this is that a lot of times, uh, family, you you you're hearing us bring up authors in a sense who may have wrote in the 19, uh, 1950s, 60s. But but it's sad to say that many many of our contemporary Many of our contemporary uh, uh, black intellectuals, you know, that that are at university, a lot of them they don't they don't even they don't even know about the the what the foundations of black fam of studies of the black family, black mm. history, black reconstruction, and mm. and if you read a lot of their books, their books are full of shit, you know, by uh, by uh, by by Europeans and stuff. Uh, and you know what? Um, you're speaking of that. Um, uh, we have to talk about the thinking people, uh, Ralph Bunch. In fact, let me tell you, a good place to look for for worthwhile history oftentimes are journal articles. The, the Journal of Negro Education, the Journal of Negro History, uh, and, and their glorious had all kinds of, of very rich things. And there's the black other scholar, people. Oh, black scholar, black world. Yes, there, there, it, it's, and I often recommend that people also uh, complement it with films. But there's so many uh, people. I'm trying to think. Wait, wait. Let me sit down and think about someone. Um. Uh, biographies, and that was another thing. You could spend forever on biographies. Yeah. Of of uh, there is, uh, what's a really good one? Help me, help me, help me, help me. Um, well, my well, my my uh, my my taste is that I played football. I played football, and uh, I was a linguist. And so then, my my favorite my favorite biographies are about uh you know uh is uh paul robeson and and mm. I, I i really admired paul robeson because of the fact in a sense that that he was everything that that i that i that i was he, mm. he played football at i think columbia then he became he was a polyglot and he was a and, and in other words he knew a lot of languages he would sing in the various languages and so i i, I found him as a person to model my life off and he I liked think, white women what's that he liked white women uh, I, I don't care if you like white women. I mean, some people in a sense 
you know, like them like them white guys, but I, they like that musty, that okay. musty dog hair. But you got to remember, why do they like white women? They like white women in a sense because they perform the best oral sex, but not a lot of sisters, they enjoy the crowd. So what can I say? But anyway, well, uh, I'm, in fact, they, 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 I they, love Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson um, is my man. Paul Robeson, in a sense, he, you know, Paul Robeson, remember, he was, he was, he was, he stayed steady till his wife died. Once his wife died and she was his manager, then things started happening. But look, look at how, look at how he was always attacked. You know, they always say that he was influenced by the, uh, by the Russians, but he always made it clear that he learned his common, his communist ideology living over in Britain, you know. And you but know now, what? He has some good books. Here I Stand by Paul Robeson yeah. is a very good book. The person I liked were the black nationalist people like uh, Blyden and uh, Alex. The person that asked the question about the books. <laughs> Alexander uh, Crummo. So, yeah, we should do our themes so we can we can be tighter. Uh, Nathan Hare, Black Anglo-Saxons. I tell you. I tell you, that's a really good one. Um, for those of you, for those of you who are interested in Afrocentric history, uh, you should, you can go to my uh, my YouTube website, and I have uh, I have two videos where I discuss these important Black history books, Afrocentric books. Because see, many people many people don't know that Afrocentrism is well grounded. It has it has a good it has a good base based upon anthropological historical disciplines. The only thing that, that hurt us was uh, when Ivan Van Sertima and Hunter Adams in 1991, they they couldn't defend they couldn't defend the Portland uh, the Portland essays, and because they didn't they couldn't 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 in a sense defend the Portland essays, that's what led that's what led to white people feeling that they could attack uh, you know Afrocentrism because you remember our Afrocentric scholars who Jay Rogers, W. B. Du Bois, uh, you know Carter Carter Woodson. I mean, come on now. These these were these people were standard bearers, but they were able to overlook them because of the fact that that uh, Ivan Van Sertima and Hunter Adams, because of the fact that they wrote the Portland essays, then in a sense, and and then when then when when white people were attacking it, they couldn't defend it. That's when people felt they could they could attack Afrocentrism, you see, and that's based based on the fact that they couldn't really live up to it, you know. But again, that's why you got to have. That's why you got to have straight people. That's why we're here to try to teach you what we know about history based upon historical reality. And see, that's why a lot of times you guys may think that uh, that Dr. Short jokes a lot. Yeah, he jokes a shot a lot, but it, but his, but but when he's talking, every word he says is like a knife. Every word he says is like a certain scalpel in the sense that he he cuts oh. away he cuts away the excess, he cuts away the lies, and he brings forth the truth. Um, bell curve came out before 91. I think the bell curve came out in 89. But I left out one of my favorite writers, which is Carol Anderson. She's got a bunch of books, too. She's out of Emory University. Eyes Off the Prize, uh, White Rage. She's, she's, uh, she's like my favorite. You know how the, uh, <laughs> Ozzy Brothers say, who's that lady? Who's that lady? Beautiful lady? That's this woman, 
Carol Anderson, she basically is like the ass-kicking woman on the scene, her and Nell Pointer. The other, but just she puts out a lot of books on race, blacks and guns. Um, uh, Elisha Muhammad, you know, we, we didn't really deal with religion much. And um, when you when you bring religious people in there, the, then it, it takes a whole different thing. Right, because right. you know, like like Elijah Muhammad used to say, you got to watch out for the devil because he's evil, because he's vile, because he's ill. So, oh, one, 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 one of the things, other, one of the other, things. Other black Muslims back in the day is that they were a philologist in the sense that they used to like they used to like to use words, and so they took the word evil. And then they broke the word evil down from evil. Then you take away the E, you got vile. Then you take away, in a sense, the V, you got ill. And so the, so the European, he was he was evil, the devil, viral, ill. And see, what, go ahead. One of the things with uh, you guys in the chat, just to, just to let you know that these two gentlemen, they're both doctors in their own rights and historians, and they're giving us a, a lot of great information with these books. But just be mindful that they're great authors themselves. They're great researchers themselves. And I, I know that they're not into self-promoting them, but a lot of times if you read, if you have, and I'm a reading person, like everybody else in the chat, you buy a person's book that's living, you read it two or three times, and then you can email them, get questions, get an explanation. So sometimes when you have that living author present, you can get a better understanding from after you read their written work. So, don't mm -hmm. let these two great authors, in my opinion, great historians, in my opinion, fool you that uh, they are I'm very, a, very I'm distinguished in their own right. I'm an underperforming one. Dr. Winters, I'm sort of like a person with a demo record, and he's sort of like a person with platinum records on the wall, like, you know, like posters. But, but we do have a manifesto. I've got a couple of manuscripts. I just, you know, Publishing and getting books out, it's it's really like sort of uh, it depends. It's a skill set. It's a temperament. It's all those kinds of things. Uh, Barbara Sizemore, oh my God, she she was in running the schools here in D.C. They hated her. Great she woman. And where she come from? A Chicago. She's yes, a great sir. woman. Yes, a sir. great woman. She's a great woman. Uh, Barbara Sizemore. She. She was really trapped, but the bushy niggas here ate her up, and dogged her, made her out to be crazy. You know that that's, uh, that, that's a fake ass DC people. Y'all just don't know. That, They're so fake here. Let me tell you something. They make the Nigerians seem honest. They lie so much. The boule here. It's, it's damn. It's it's you just you know, uh, anyway. Wild ass stuff. Out people here. A lot of people. A lot of people they don't understand that 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 people come from Chicago, Francis Wilson, Amos Wilson. They don't understand that that if you that that if you were black power, you were black power. If you were interested in your people, I don't know I don't know if she was an AKA or not, but I know that I know that if she she was light skinned, so she may have an AKA. But I noticed <laughs> that she was the only AKA I ever met who really cared about black children, black education, and black people. AKAs like Kamala Harris and the rest of them. They're all AKAs. 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 
I'll tell you this is that I like her when I was in college. But anyway, you like who? Carly Sarah's when I was in college. Okay, well, um, they were fun. Well, but you see, they used to be fun. Music was fun until they got this smut up now. What I wanted to say is we can do books I'm I'm toying with and I know I have to do it. I have to get back to uh, doing doing books and going through them. All the authors are not black. Um, my concern is that people have a rounded view of different things going on. So I buy a lot of black authors and then I buy anything I can get on black folks. By the way, Dr. Winters, the man that cried I am, the price of that book has dropped $25. As well, soon as this program is over, I'm going to buy me a copy. Hey, Dr. Winters. Yeah. The, the other day on the phone, Dr. Short said to me, he's like, I'm not going to tell you about the book I'm going to buy. So while we was on the phone, he purchases the book. It then says, oh, I can tell you now because I'm going to get it first. To buy it. <laughs> you know, he told me that. He was, he was very honest. He said, I don't want you to buy it. I don't want you to get it before me. I'm going to get it first. But you know, it's so, so you guys book. in the chat, this is this is a, a the reason why I asked the question about the books. I mean, the brother that asked the question about the book, excuse me, is because the book conversation is a conversation for me personally as a as a layman, as a person that loves to read. When I get a chance to talk to these two brothers, if I open up that conversation about books, yeah. it's going to be an hour, hour and a half, two hour conversation because they love to read and they love to teach. Yeah. And try to and, like, and see just like me is that is that my, I got on I got forty books but but most of my, most of my research is articles I got about two or three articles two or three hundred articles you can find you can find my articles at Academia Edu go to Academia Edu put in Clyde Winters and then what I did is that I put most of my histories psychology and all that stuff there and then at at, at ResearchGate <laughs> you can find some of my articles on uh on uh, genetics and uh, and and uh, a few linguistic stuff, but the thing is, this that my articles, my articles, I think are the best because see, I like to get right to the point. That's why I like I like to do Q's uh, show, and the reason I like to do Q's show is that he don't beat around the bush. He don't just he don't just make you have to wait hours. You know, he, he allows you to get right to the point, and that's very important. You know, and see, that's what make Q show. Hey, put a hey, press the like button. And subscribe. Yeah, treat him like he's white. Yeah, treat him like he's white. You know what you would <laughs> like, do. For the like white. I told, like I like I tell uh, Doctor Short all the time, Doctor Winners, is that first and foremost, I'm a student, and 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 I'm no more than a student, and I'm gonna stay a student because I love to study, I love to read, I love I love to interact. I actually, which is interesting, I actually joined a debate club when I was in high school, and I never got in a debate. I used to just sit there and just hear other people debate, and I got off of that. And so the teacher came to me and was like, well, why are you not joining debates? I said, you know, this is what I just like to hear people debate different points and counterpoints. And um, actually, when I was in, in school, secondary school, I actually was into the, you know, the, the, the legal research and the shepherdizing and case law. So when Dr. Short brought up about the rape, I had already kind of knew the answer, and it's interesting. I, I think that most people don't know that no Anglo-Saxon man has ever been uh, convicted. I, I don't think people know that. That is like a running joke in law school. Yeah. 
But let me, Dr. Winters, let me, uh, you gotta, you didn't tell everybody that you had a song out. Dr. Clyde Winters, you know your song, oh, brother oh, yeah. made for you. That's like Yoshi Mod, Yoshi Mod, the genius. Uh, he uh, he made a song called Clyde Winters. Uh, he hasn't made the video yet, but he, but when he makes the video, it'll be out there. But uh, Yoshi Mod is is a great is a great. Uh, he have a lot of good. I mean, if you go to his website, he got he got good music. He's from Houston, so you know he he's down. But he made a he made an, a song about about uh, about uh, me because I'm on the uh, Reverend. Uh, Reverend Shock Matthews uh, platform every week. You know, we talk about various parts of black history and stuff like that. So, uh, so he did make a nice song. Thank you for bringing that up. You can find it on Spotify, buy some. And if you want to hear Dr. Winners, Dr. Winners. <laughs> yes, it's a real song, you guys. It's a song called Dr. Winners, The Brother Made. Uh, and actually, I had used it for some TikTok videos that I had put out there. Oh, really? The like, yeah, the brother, the brother actually said to me, he said, you know, Dr. Winners got a song. I said, huh? So I, I went on his page and found it, and I used it as a cover for some stuff. But uh, Dr. Short, the mm. brother said happy white woman to y'all. Oh, well, thank you. Happy white woman to you. And and happy white man to all of you, sisters. May you get the richest zaddy. A zaddy with a 200-foot yacht. And may you eat caviar with your kittens. I mean, that's the only way to have them is to have a caviar on chitlet cheese. The rain okay. in Spain lands mainly on the caviar and yes. rain. Bring me. All, all, all I'm going to say, yes, uh, and that's our ongoing thing. So uh, we and we, we always joke about that because of black self-hatred. So it's an end game thing to talk about uh, whiteness. Um, and it helps. It really does help. You wouldn't believe how many people woke up once they realized instead of telling them that they could never be white, tell them that you are white, then that they ask go out and try it and get jacked up. And go, oh, I'm not white. Really? No. <laughs> anyway. We need to do we need to do a book thing and we need to talk about baby killing and all that kind of stuff. And um we got some stuff. Hopefully I can get, get these two distinguished gentlemen very soon. Um, the oh, next couple of days, I'm going to be mm -hmm. kind of tied up. And then uh, going into Black August, I guess. You're we'll not going to be, gonna be uh, but you're not going to be tied up by white women. So no, you're going to no, break the rules. No, actually, actually, actually <laughs> I got to um, go pay some respects to a, a mentor of mine that passed away. Is that a white so, woman? Oh. No, she's a black woman. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't go. I'm joking. I'm joking. You know, so, okay. so, so, honestly, you guys in the chat, make sure you guys hit the bell if you've already subscribed because you want the notifications on anything. And I do try to post in the community section for anything that the doctors will send me. I know Dr. Winners is going to send the information about his class, and I'm going to share it with everybody else because we need to... Um, Oh. Well, lack of better words, they say this in uh, academia. We need to study at people's feet and take mm -hmm. advantage of Dr. Winners and Dr. Short. And, and I say this humbly, the word, what you say, Dr. Short? And hope that their feet are washed. Now, by the way, please post in your the chat, uh, backpack, uh, backpack, 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 uh, B-A-C-P-A-C dot 
info. Uh, we really do want, I hope you're sending that stuff around on 43, I gotta update 21. Oh yeah. And it's gone up. I want to thank people. We are at $3,500, uh, which is really good. And there's even more as people are giving. Uh, but Backpack, which is the Black American Constitutional Political Action Committee, uh, we are we are poised to raise some hell in this country around issues, and we're after tangibles, not just reparations, but procurement, money that the government lets certain people have that we miss out on. We want all of our money now. Not, not freakdom. No, because you know what? If you have money, you can have freedom too. Freedom does not roll, mean that huh? you'll get freedom. It's See, like they said with the Pepsi commercial, you get a Pepsi and a smile. Right. You get freedom and you can have freedom, but freedom by itself is no good. Backpack with no case. B-A-C-P-A-C dot info. And of course, yeah, I know how to drop it. I want to thank everybody that has given. You have no idea. The person that gave me the contribution, I think it's at least one. I'm going to get the man that cried I am. They've got these things down. Oh, my God, Doc. When I looked the other day, you mentioned all of them were $50, $60 for the doggone book. Wow. And the prices have dropped. Y'all need to know why you need to get books. With all the racism of DeSantis and other people, there's a conscious effort to destroy black memory in this country. If you don't have your own libraries, let me tell you something. Racist librarians that come in that hate black people, what they do is pull everything off on black people out in the libraries and, and, and they withdraw them. They say it's not relevant anymore because they don't like the book. Right. If you want to buy some good black books, go to some place like Wisconsin or Iowa or Nebraska where there are no black people because the librarians in these places get rid of everything on black people. They don't see any place for it. So you go to a used bookstore and there are books that you probably pay $150, $60, $70 in New York. You go out to New Mexico, and that book is $5, a dollar. Yeah. The people just don't want it. We just don't want books about We just don't take it. <laughs> They'll put it in the bin. Just get rid of it. Uh, people don't like our history, our memory, our books. Right. So you have to invest in making your home, your space, a shrine of black information, a research center, because um, with the shutdown, all the libraries were closed. A lot, I mean, a lot, you realize they could have destroyed everything about black people very carefully, just shut the country down and just purge out everything. And all of a sudden, it's gone. We need to understand that when you have people who have the kind of hatred against them, like we do, it's it's not an uncommon practice to destroy literature and books. And wow. Sri Lanka, remember that happened, Dr. Winters, that the Sinhalese burnt up all the books of the Tamils. They had the one yeah. place that had the lot. They burnt up almost all of the people's history. 
Each one of us has a responsibility to be an archivist, a repository of a black story. Because like what happened in Sri Lanka, that was the beginning of the war between the Tamils and the Sinhalese. Those people went in and burnt up the most important collection of books in that country. They just set everything on fire. You know, because, because see, they understand. See, you have to understand the European, you know, white-minded people, Indo-Aryan people, they always believe in the sense that the book, the book is a good repository of knowledge. But at the same time, if you if you really pray, if you really, in a sense, ask, ask, ask God, you know, he will open up the Akashic records. Remember, is that we have over the first anatomically modern human being appeared in Africa 200,000 years ago. That means that that we as black people, we have over 200,000 years of knowledge up in our in our in our brain. You see stored in our brain, stored in our body, stored in our cells, stored in our mind. Now we don't know what a mind is. A mind might be in your foot, it might be in the sky, but we do know a lot of knowledge is here. And you can draw on 200,000 years of genetic knowledge. You know what that means? That's why we built this country. That's why we've made so many inventions. That's why we make the music. We can't hardly stop from changing things. If only we could get over that fear. If we could only get over that fear that that, uh, that Dr. Short talked about. If we could stop in a sense feeling that a white man is, is always sitting next to us, that a white man is in our house, that a white man is sleeping in our bed with us. We're just so afraid because we refuse to understand that you got to be a man, you got to be a woman. You see, you got to be a man, you got to be a woman. And the and the real dynamic duel is not back is not black is not Batman and Robin. The real dynamic duel is the black man and his woman. That's the dynamic duel, and that's what will make make things happen. And that's how we get our power. With that, you guys remember like, share, subscribe. Until next time, take care. Have a blessed night. Thank you.